You may be seated. Well, listen, I am excited to be back with you, and I want to go ahead and start this way because I want to ask a question. How many of you, your world was rocked early this morning by thunder? How many of you had that happen? Anybody raise hands? Okay. I was told, I didn't know this, I was told that that is unusual around here, all right? Is that, that what I heard? Okay, well, where I live, it didn't even wake me up. I didn't even know it happened. They told me about it this morning because where I live, that's just a normal part of any storm that comes. It's going to rattle the windows and shake the house. It's just part of it. And, uh, but uh, anyway, so today, what we're going to be doing is we'll be looking as we're continuing on and stepping into God's more and what I'm going to be talking about tonight is going to be about positioning yourself. How do you position yourself to be able to experience the more of God? You know, I, I, want, to, I want to say this because I want you to hear some things that, that we've been talking about. How do you step into God's love and how do, you, how do you embrace it? And I know we all struggle with it at different levels. And let me just kind of say something. I was talking with Dennis earlier and he was telling me about his past. He didn't grow up in a Christian home and I did. And, and let me tell you, I want, I want to share this. I didn't tell it to him, but I got saved when I was 22. And let me tell you what God showed me, what my biggest problem was. Uh, and I want you to think about it like this, because many times what we do is we think about how bad we were, and we look at it from a religious standpoint. So we think of bad being like um, the, the bad things, the evil things I did, and that makes it bad. But I want to ask you, if you read the New Testament who do we find were the greatest antagonists against Jesus? You can, you can answer. It's, it's okay. Who was it? The religious leaders, right? It was the religious people. Let me tell you what God showed me, and this is after I gave my life to Christ. He said, David, your problem was you were the Pharisee. You see, I had grown up in church. I knew all the songs. I knew, I, and I had, could tell you the, the books of the Bible and all those kind of things. I actually, after I played a little football, I transferred. You know, one of the things you find about going to college, especially if you go in sports, is that they require you to go to class. And so that was not on my agenda. And so I always say it this way, they encouraged me elsewhere. And so uh, I wound up having to work my way through college, uh, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. But I went to a Christian college. And, uh, and so I, I knew the lingo, and so I did the natural reaction, which I actually believe that it's the sin of Cain. You know, we had Cain and Abel, and you remember, if you go look, the, what caused the first murder? It was worship. And you see, Cain believed that his worship was he could offer to God from what he had produced. And that is the mindset that most people have. I can earn my way to God, that God doesn't love me out of just grace, out of the fact that he has created me and he knows that I need a substitute. You see, Abel, by faith, understood that he needed a substitute, right? That he offered a sacrifice because God had taught them that, that there had to be a sacrifice. But you see, Cain thought, if I do enough good works, that I can earn God's favor and God wasn't pleased with that. And you see, so I just want to encourage you in this, that whenever we come to this, a lot of times people, when we sing about that he's a good, good father, we can sing the words. We do struggle. Some struggle with it a lot. But then whenever we sing about this, that I am loved by you, that's who I am. A lot of us struggle with that. You know, I don't know if you read verses 13 and 14 out of 103, 
But that part where it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. I want to tell you, when the Spirit of God spoke that into me years ago, I just sat in it and wept because I realized he knew that I was a mess up, that I was going to mess up. God is a realist, and he knows what we need. And so I want to encourage you that as we're walking in this, and I'm talking about the, the so much more of God. Come on in. <laughs> How you doing? Good to see you. And as we think about that, what my hope is for you is that you experience the embrace of the God who loves you. That's my hope, because that's what changed my life. He's had to break me from that, that mindset of Cain that says, I can, I can offer him of myself, and that's going to be enough. So as we start walking into this, and we're going to be looking tonight at, at what I wanted to share with you about positioning yourself for the more. We're going to be in Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 3, a very, a very well-known passage. It's going to be verses 20 and 21 in Ephesians chapter 3. And you may remember it. It's actually uh, a, a prayer that, that Paul had been praying and brought at the end of it. It's kind of the culmination. But I, I want you to write this down at the top of your outline. And I hope you guys are okay with it. And, you know, and I, and I always know this whenever I do this. See, I'm a teacher kind of at heart. Um, I taught in college for a while, but I did, it was in computers and did that for a while. So I have this natural. And I know that some of you are probably guessing how to, what the blanks are to be already. And that's what I would do. I would be guessing. So I'm going to help you. We're going to go ahead and fill them out. So let's just start off at the top of your outline and just write this down. The average believer... The average believer is living today in so much less when God desires for us to live in so much more. The average believer is living in so much less. Did you know that this is one of the things that I find is that sometimes I find in my mind, and I I'm not trying to just project this on you, but I find it very common in the people that I pastor and in the believers that I'm around, whether it's in Africa when I'm teaching over there or when it's in India when I'm teaching there or in Brazil or in other places I've been, is that the average believer, here's what I found, we, we still have in our mind that we have this idea that, you know what, I'm going to really strive to enter into God's presence, and it's almost like, and he's kind of like, yeah, you just keep working harder and maybe you'll get here. And I just want to tell you, it's just the opposite of that. He longs to lavish on his children so much more. How many of you have children? Yeah. And how many of you have grandchildren? Yeah. You know, it's like, all right. And how many times do you find yourself just wanting to give them more? You just want to give them more. And I love doing it. And I don't do it out of trying to get something from them. I, and listen, I can promise you, my kids were little and I brought them something. I didn't bring it to them thinking, you know, that I'm going to get anything from them because I didn't have anything except what I'd already given them before. But I gave it to them because I loved them. So as we come into this, I, I just want to say that in the start that I believe that there's really two primary reasons why we settle for so much less than what God has for us, what he desires to give us. I think one of those is we don't, don't really know what to do. 
We don't know how to, so Brother David, how do we move into more? We're going to continue to talk about this. But I, I want to say it this way, and this may be a wrong way of saying it, but I think another reason that we don't really step into more is that I know for myself it's kind of like this, is that we don't want to look stupid. It's kind of like I don't want to look like a fool, you know, and try to go into something I don't know what to do. And so I want, I want to try to illustrate this because that's it, I probably, so I'm the oldest child of, of my parents. They have three my brother's six years younger than me, and then my sister was born when I was a senior in high school, and so, you know, she doesn't even know me not married. So, but, but um, as the oldest, I don't know if this is something natural, but there is a tendency to want to be a perfectionist. We want to make sure we do it right. I don't know if it's because our parents say, you know, hey, you're, you know your brother's acting like a fool, but, you know, you need to straighten him up or, or you know, no, don't, don't you be leading him down that road or something. I don't know if that's it or what it is, but I don't like messing up. I don't like, I don't know if anybody gets up in the morning and says, boy, I hope I really mess the day up. I don't think we do that, but I do think that there are some that we really get worried about that. And for me, that is the biggest issue that I've had in my life. And so years ago, actually it was in 2003, my wife and I really wanted to take her on a vacation and really wanted us to go on a vacation. And we had saved up some money to be able to go on this vacation. And um, here's what happened. She decided that, okay, we're going to go on a vacation, but it's going to be a family vacation, which I didn't want to do. And then secondly, I wanted to maybe go to, to like London or something like that. She decided we were going to go snow skiing in Colorado. Now, I had never been snow skiing, and for a person who doesn't like to mess up, everything in me is crawling. Now, my older two boys at that time, Kevin and, and Brian, Kevin at that time was 19, Brian was 16, they had already been a few times, they had already been on those black diamonds and done all that stuff, but for me and my, and my wife and my youngest son, Caleb, um, we had never been, so we sent Caleb, in fact, yeah, there's a picture of us. I want to talk to you about that picture. Uh, so we go, and Caleb went to a kid's camp, and he learned how to snowboard, and he was just going everywhere. And Kathy and I went to go learn. And so the, in the morning, we went. And, and let me just have, have you been, anybody here been snow skiing? Yeah, okay, some of you have. Anybody not been? Yeah, okay. Well, let me just tell you that in snow skiing, you, it looks easy. It's not. And I was a good athlete. I mean, I felt like, oh, yeah, I'll be able to do this. I couldn't make them turn. And so I can tell you the whole morning, I just went into snowbanks and just poof, and I couldn't stop doing it. In fact, it was so bad that the ski instructor said, you know, you may want to come back for another session this afternoon, you know. So, so it, it was so bad, I couldn't do it. And you know, here's what they do. I'll just show you this way. So they take you to what they call the bunny slopes. And to me, it looked like I was going down Mount Everest at the time. But but they tell you, here's the way you stop. You just turn your skis inward, make a V, make a V. Now, let me just tell you that you're there and on the bunny slopes, and there's these little kids about this tall, and they're going down, and they just turn their skis in and stop. A guy that's 200 pounds, let me just basically tell you this. I learned this pretty quick, and this was my whole ski trip. It slowed me down from 80 to 50. That's about all it did. Just slow, it didn't stop anything, and it was, it was torture. And I couldn't, I just, it was a horrible week. As a matter of fact, in this picture, I want you to look, and I wanted to show you this, because if you look at the picture, I'm the one that's on the left. If you notice, I'm turned toward them. That's one of the things you see. So you have the four of them on one side, you have me on the other. One of the things you probably can't see until you look at it, I'm the only one who doesn't have his skis on. 
Now, now, let me tell you why. Because we were trying to take this picture, and I kept skiing off the back. I'm just falling off the back. I'm sliding back. I couldn't stop. And finally, my wife just said, take your skis off. I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, and I take them off. So, so that was just really kind of how that was. Now, we went back a second year. And in year two, whenever we went back, I want you to look at the second picture. So you see us in this picture. And what I want you to notice in this picture, you probably can tell it if you really look at it. Who's wearing the helmet? <laughs> Let me tell you why I'm wearing a helmet. I fell so many times that I began to say, you know what? There's, I mean, brain damage is in my future. It's coming. <laughs> because what happens, you're out there. I couldn't stop. I didn't know how to stop the, the ski, I tried everything, and my boys are going down black diamonds. Of course, by this time, Caleb, who's now 12, is on a snowboard, and he's just going everywhere and getting on the rails and doing all this. And Kathy's just skiing. She's never falling. And literally, here's how I did it. The only way I knew how to stop is I would just get going, and I would just lay over, and I would just slide. <laughs> literally, that's the truth. That's the only way I could get myself to stop. And so I'm telling you that because it was a battle that I had to learn how to stop, and I didn't know how. And so I'm going to tell you more about what happened after that later on. So as we get into this tonight, I want you to know that I find that there's a lot of believers that the reason we don't really move on into the more of God is we don't know some simple things that if we'll learn them, we can actually have an exciting vibrant walk with God. But if we don't learn them, we feel like I did doing that. We feel like something's wrong. I better put a helmet on because I don't know what's about to happen. And we think that we feel different from everybody else and we can't wear the skis because we're always falling. It just seems like we can't get there. So I'm going to talk to you more about that. So let's get into the passage and then I want to share some things with you. So it's in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. And this is what it says. It says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And there is just so much more God wants to bring us. And so I'm going to make it a real simple message, but I want to help you to learn how you can position yourself into the more. We see it in this passage, so I want to help you. The first thing I want you to write down that you need to do, if you want to position yourself for more, is you need to believe more. We need to believe more. Listen to what it says again in, in this passage, and in, 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 in we just read. It says this, now to him who is able, and notice what it says, and then it says to him who is able, it says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It says to him who is able. I want to ask you this. Jonathan just shared it. Do you really believe God is able? Do you believe that God is able? I want you to think about that. Do you believe that really that God is able to save everyone who calls on the name of the Lord? doesn't matter how messed up they've been, how bad they've been, how religious they've been. Do you believe that God is able to save anyone who calls on the name of the Lord? I do. Do you believe that God can mend any broken heart? That nobody has gone too far and too messed up that God cannot mend that broken heart? Do you believe God is able? Of course you do. 
You believe it in here. You believe in your heart that God is able. Do you believe that God is able to deliver anyone from any demonic stronghold, no matter how severe it is? Amen. Amen. You believe that, right? God is able. Do you believe that God is able to heal any sickness or any disease? And so do I. I believe it in my heart. It says, now to him who is able, most believers, I believe, would say yes to that. But here's the crux of the issue that this passage is bringing. And I want you just to think about this. Do you believe that God is able through you? Oh, Brother Abel, they say, now, I believe that God is able through you maybe, or maybe through Brother Jonathan, or maybe through somebody who's, you know, really more spiritual. But wait a second. Do you believe he's able to do it through you? You see, here's what happens. Many times, and this is what religion does. Religion says God is able. Christianity, New Testament Christianity says he's able through us. Notice again, I just want you to listen to what we just read because I think sometimes we miss this. Let's read verse 21 again. To him be glory, look at this, in the church. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now notice this next part, throughout all generations. Do you know he's talking about you? Are we one of those generations? You better believe we are. Forever and ever. Here's Paul's prayer, really. Paul's prayer is this. Paul's prayer here is claiming God's glory in or within the church throughout or into all generations. That's what it literally means. It's within. He's saying that his glory would be within the church. It would be a glory of God would be literally exuding through us in the body of Christ. That is what he is saying in this passage. The point here is that God is ready to do so much more within his church in every generation. Whenever my boys were little, and I just, this is just me, I just do this, and, and I've done this since they were a little bitty, and, I, and their names, I've told you about Caleb's name last night. Each one of them, I to, I've always told them stories about their birth, stories about early in their life, and told them because I wanted them to know that they were, they were literally created in the image of God. They have been formed and fashioned by God, that God has a plan. He has a destiny. He desires for them so much more. And so whenever they were, were little, I set them down. You can just imagine, they, you know how boys, the little boys are. They, they just kind of look at you. And so I said, now boys, I want you to listen to your daddy for just a minute. I don't want you to grow up to be good boys. And they kind of had that look like, what does that mean? And I said, I want you to grow up to change the world. I want you to grow up to be world changers. Don't settle to be married and have a white picket fence is what I, they didn't understand all of it. I didn't care. I'm trying to pour life into them. And whenever they were growing up, I always, I would take them. Whenever they were 12, I took each one of them away and talked to them about what it means to be a man. Talked to them about what it means to grow up to be a man of God. I just talked to my oldest son today, and we were talking about some things. I was asking him about his work, and, and he was telling me about some big decisions he's got to make at work, and he's just uh, looking at it, and I said, well, listen, man, I just, and this is what I said. I said, I said well, Kevin, you just need to pray about it for God to give you the wisdom you need to make those decisions, and he, I mean, he's running a company, but, 
but he still is going to hear that from me because I say that God wants to do more through us. And whenever he does more through us, whenever he brings deliverance or healing or, or, or I can tell you this, I had to, I've had to learn this even in preaching the word of God, is here's why he wants to do it and here's what we need to understand. Just write this down underneath this because I, I, want, I hope this helps. The Lord does so much more. And I want you to hear this. Not so that we may gloat over how great we are but that we may glorify God over how great he is. You see, one of the problems that I've found in the church whenever I've been around people who start functioning in the gifts of the Holy Spirit or whenever I'm around some people that begin to pray for somebody and they're healed is all of a sudden we start bumping our chest and we start, look what I can do. Or listen, whenever you're in seminary, you see whenever somebody, you know, they start learning Greek or Hebrew or they start learning some basic theology, it's like, boom, boom, look at me. And I'm like, dude, you are messing up because you are stepping into pride. And the, my Bible tells me that God, he literally, he stiff arms or he opposes is the way it says it, the proud. and gives grace to the humble. But whenever we come to this, he wants to release more through you. I would say this to you, and I want you to hear this in love. I want you to hear it in love. And I've had, I'll give you an example. I want you to hear this in love. It is not, it is not humility to say that God doesn't want to work through me in those things. That's not humility. Oh, he couldn't do that through me. That is not humility. That's false humility. Humility is saying, in spite of me, I'm amazed when God uses me, and that's, and that's where I am. I'll pray for somebody to be healed. I'm as excited about their healing as they are because God can use somebody as foolish as me. He can use somebody as messed up as me, and I don't say that lightly. I know me. And if he can use me a one who was bound to be a Pharisee, one who was headed down the religious path to be just like Cain. If he can use me, he can use you. And so whenever we come to this, we need to believe more. I just think about this. How would you like your life to maximize God's glory? How would you like that whenever, you're, whenever you step into heaven, that literally the angels are like going, Wow. Wow, I would. Did you know it can? Yours can. Listen to what the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. It says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I'm not talking about believe it and receive it. You know, I'm not talking about blab it and grab it. I'm not talking about those kind of things, all right? I'm talking about the Spirit of God putting in your heart a burden and you pray that out and you watch God do exceeding and abundant beyond anything we could ask or think. I'm not talking about some kind of self-help kind of stuff. I'm not saying believe in yourself and the sky's the limit. I'm telling you this, don't believe in yourself, believe in God. 
in the finished work of Christ, in the promises of God, in the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. I, I say this all the time, but I mean it. And I say this to the Lord. I say, Lord, I don't trust me, but I do trust you. Because I don't trust me. So the first thing we need to do is we need to believe more. Just believe more. Ready yourself. I don't know what's happening. Is this normal New York? Okay, if this happened where I live, we have to shut down the city. I'm just going to bottom line tell you. All right. It's kind of like everybody's going, yeah, what are you talking about? It's kind of like I was with the thunder last night, you know? Here you guys, they were telling me the kids jumped in the bed with them. Did y'all have kids jump in the bed with you? And then that's after that thunder. You know, I'm, I'm like, I didn't even hear it. Well, that right there is wearing me out, all right? So, all right, believe more. Second thing, you need to receive more. Receive more. Let me read this again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I just have to say that that first part again. Listen to it again. Now to him who is able, I want you to hear this, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. I don't know about you, but I can ask for a lot. I don't know about you, but I can think a lot. So there's a couple of questions that kind of arise in my mind. Is this true or is, is Paul just speaking in superlatives? In other words, he doesn't really mean it. He was just kind of being poetic or something like that. Or is this true? I just say it this way. He, he was speaking the truth. God is ready and willing to do more than many of us are currently experiencing and answering more prayers than we're currently seeing. God is ready to do it. So again, I just come down, how must I think and how much, you know, what, do I, what must I ask to receive more? I, I found here's one of the things I think we have to, have to look at. James chapter 4, verse 3 says this, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. I, I think we have to, to be careful because there's a wrong way to ask. There's a wrong way to think. And, and, I, and I, so I, I have to say, Lord, I'm asking and I want to be thinking in ways that are investing in the kingdom of God, investing in the kingdom for your glory, not just spending them on my own passions. I gave you this actually last time I was here when I wanted to give it to you again on the back side of your outline. Does everybody have a back side to it that has something on it? <laughs> not that you have you know, a back side of the page. Yeah, okay, good. All right, well, good. All right, so in that, I want you to see that I gave it to you. It's got, it's got a couple of blanks in there again. And so on the, on the left side, I want you to write this. The current life you are living on one side, I want you to write the current life, and I'm talking about your Christian life, the current life you're living on one side. On the other side, I want you to write this, the unlived life you dream of living. So all of us have this. All of us have one side that is on that, we're on that left side that says there's a current life I'm living, 
and we're talking about stepping into God's more, and we start talking about that, and there is this, this unlived life that we dream. In other words, you start thinking about what it would be like for God to just live through you in greater power, greater anointing. What would that? And so, and so this is just a simple thing. Actually, I got this out of a book you know, years ago that just kind of helped me. Just wanted to share it with you. What's the distance between those two? So, so what we want to do is see God bring those two together where they're the same. But the distance in there, I want you to write in that middle arrow, just write the word resistance. There is a continual and constant resistance that we fight. The Bible talks about this. So there is a current life you're living, and then there's this, this unlived life that we dream of living. You know, here's what I, I, years ago, somebody asked me, man, what drives you? There's just some kind of passion. And so what is it that drives you? Because let me just tell you, you don't know me. You don't know me pre-saved. You don't know me early saved. But I can tell you, I was not what I am. My nature was not this. I'm not the guy that just, you know, I would never have thought I would ever stand up and preach, by the way. It was the last thing I thought would happen. Um, and, and, but but, I, but I, I found that there was within me this, this, this longing to live this life, and God kind of put this in me a long time ago, is, is that I want to stand before God one day, and I just want to hear one thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. To me, that's the unlived life I dream of living. And so what's the resistance that would keep me from that? Because I believe that that unlived life I would dream of living is the, is the life that God desires for me to live. And so let me just give you what I'm just calling them your three enemies. You know these, your three enemies against the more, against stepping into more, stepping into the, the God's more that he has for you. You know these. Let me just give them to you real quick. And I've put the scriptures on there to make it simple. The first one is the world. The first enemy you have is the world. We live in an evil world that is, is literally bent on your destruction. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. 1 John chapter 2.15 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. You have an enemy that wants to draw you into loving the world. How many of you probably know this, but um, the fastest growing church in the world is the church in Iran. It's the fastest growing church in the world. And I will never forget this story. There was a family, and uh, you may have seen the, the, the video that's been put out about the Iranian church. It's unbelievable. I mean, I just sit and weep whenever I watch it. But, but there was a couple that moved to America. They were Christians, and they left uh, Iran, and they moved to the United States. And they were only here a few months, and the wife came to her husband one morning, and she says, I want to go home. And he said, baby, so are you sure? I mean, we're in a place of freedom. We can worship as we want to. And, and if we go back, we could lose our lives. I mean, we're in constant fear of losing our lives. And this is what she said. She said, I know, but in America, Satan is singing his lullabies. And I feel myself becoming drowsy. The world is singing the lullabies of the enemy to put us to sleep to keep us from living the unlived life that we dream of living. 
And I just want to encourage you that as we're walking in this, you have an enemy. The world is the enemy. The second enemy that we have is the flesh. It's that sinful nature. I'm not talking about the skin on us. I'm talking about the sinful nature that is bent on wanting our own way. It's what Satan, he tempted there in the garden whenever he said, you can be your own God. We're like, dude, I'm in. Let me tell you one of the things I tell my people, and I do this constantly because I just found that Americans, um, one, of the, one of the hurdles that we struggle with in America is, you know, sometimes the freedom that we have as Americans, that becomes a great hindrance to walking in, in that life of surrender to the, to the Lord. And, and, and here's what I tell them. I said, look, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but I just want to tell you this. When you gave your life to Christ, you gave up your right to vote. I'm not talking about your vote in an election. I'm talking about your vote before God. In other words, he doesn't tell us what we want, and we go, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. I, I, mean, I, want, to, can, I want to get a vote in this. You lost that right. You surrendered your life to him. Your life is no longer your own. You've been bought at a price, but my flesh is going to fight that. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, 17, it says this, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Do you see the resistance that's there? I have in me. I've got it just like you do. We all have it. I tell people at our church all the time, when I gave my life to Christ, Jesus did not come in my life. The Holy Spirit is not there to rehab the old David. He's there to kill him. What did Jesus say? Anyone who wishes to follow after me must do what? Take up his own cross and follow after me. Do you know what you take a cross? Why does a person take up a cross? To wear it around their neck? Is something, a trinket that's pretty? No, it's a death march. And, I, and, I, and this is the way I say it. I mean, and I don't want this to sound too brash, but I want to tell you. The old David is still as evil as he was the day I got saved, the day before I got saved. He still is bent on his own way. He still is bent on doing it the way he wants to. But praise God, I've become a new creation in Christ. And as a new creation in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, there is within me a work of the Spirit that wants to fulfill the unlived life I dream of living. But I have a resistance inside of me called that sinful nature. And then the last one, you know, goes along with the world of flesh. It's the devil. The devil. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. These three enemies, I find, are constantly working to keep me from receiving the far more abundantly than I could ask or think. It's a constant battle. It's not going to end in this life. I have it just like you. I go home and have the same issues that you do. They may not look the same. They may be in, you know, it's kind of like when you go to Baskin and Robbins. You may like chocolate and I may like strawberry, but it's still ice cream. We still have the same issues. I mean, I struggle with discouragement. I struggle with depression. I struggle with wanting to give up. I struggle with thinking, who do I think I am that I could preach the, the word of God? Just like you struggle in the things you're in. We all do. 
My sinful nature says, what are you doing? It's just with all of us. It's a battle. It's a resistance that I fight in and fight with all the time. Again, the average believer is living today on so much less when God desires for us to live in so much more. So we want to believe more. We need to receive more. But finally, I just say this. You, you, you believe more and you start to receive more. And then what happens is last one. Just put this down. Achieve more. Achieve more. How do we step into achieving more? How do we walk into seeing God do through us the exceeding abundant? How do we, how do we step into it? And I want to show you because this is the secret that I had to learn. And I know many of you have learned it, but many of you are sitting here saying, I want this. Again, let's read the passage, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want you to notice that we, we can believe that God is able. We can even know that God desires to do far more abundantly. But most of us stay frustrated from receiving the more. The key to receiving, the key to, is to removing this frustration. How do we remove this frustration of the less and releasing the more? Again, I want you to listen to three, verse 320 again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, than all that we could ask or think, notice what it says. It's kind of hard to see in the red up there. I should have put it in yellow. But just, can you see it? According to the power at work within us. That's the key. That's the key. Jesus knew this to be the key. In John 15, verse 5, he said it this way. I am the vine, you are the branches. And then he said this, apart from me, you can do a lot of pretty good things. Is that what he said? Apart from me, boy, you can really get a lot done. With me, you can get a lot more done. Is that what he said? He said, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. Apart from me. You can, somebody says, well, I, I mean, I know some people that can do a lot. He's talking about according to the kingdom of God. I'll say this, there's a lot of billionaires that are producing a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. It's all going to burn. But only according to the power that's at work within us, will we produce that. Jesus knew what the key was. The 120 that were in the upper room, they knew what the key was. What did Jesus tell them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You know what the word witnesses there, by the way, means? It's actually the Greek word. It's the word, Greek word marturion. It's the word we translate martyr. I just set off somebody's Siri. Did I do that? That's awesome. I'm just glad it wasn't my phone. Is that what it was? I don't know if it was or not, but anyway. Or the person who actually could, I'm in New York, could be the person that recorded Siri. I don't know. Maybe they're in here. But but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see the 120 in the upper room, they knew the key. They knew that the key, they waited. They didn't go out and just start trying to do their best. They knew that there was a power that they were going to receive 
that was supernatural, that was from, was from the kingdom of God, that was going to be released through them. Paul knew the key in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. What does he say? He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have to learn the key. The key is not your intellect. The key is not your past. It's not your background. It's not what you can produce. It's not how good you are, how smart you are, how gifted you are. It's not that. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. The kingdom of God, the third person of the Trinity, God the Spirit that dwells in us, that's the power. That's how God produces his kingdom. You know, I told you earlier about my snow skiing. And I told you that I was, I was, it was a disaster. I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not kidding you. I didn't want to go back. I wanted to go back the next year because actually Colorado is really pretty. I didn't want to go back, though, and get on skis. But I decided to. And, you know, my boys, they're just jerks, you know, at that age. I don't know how else to say it. But they... God, dad, you come down. I'm like, I'm not going over there. I'm going to stay on the bunny slopes because to me it looked like, again, I'm going down Mount Everest and I'm just struggling. And, and so I remember just the fears that I was in and the fears that I was walking in. And again, I want to show you this picture again that we took on day three. You remember that picture? You see, do you notice that they're all together and they all have their skis on and they're smiling? My smile's fake. I am fearful. I don't have my skis on. I feel like an outsider, and it's really true. My wife, I don't think she fell any. I wanted to push her down just because it was like, <laughs> this is not fair. But if you notice, I'm turned the other way. And let me just tell you what I know about some of you here. You're here. You're here but you feel like you can't wear the skis because you keep falling down. You feel like an outsider. You hear what I'm saying, but in your heart, you hear it here, but in your heart, you're saying, yeah, but he couldn't do that that through me. You feel like an outsider. But you see, let me tell you what happened that third year. I think it was the third year. I had a miraculous thing happen. I learned the secret. I learned how to stop. I'll never forget the moment it happened. I made a decision. I'm going to either blow my knees and never walk again, or I'm going to stop. And so I just pretended like I was sliding into second base in baseball. And it went, and all of a sudden I stopped. And I'm like, oh. So I start skiing down, and I stopped again. And immediately I went from the bunny slopes to starting to go on the blues. And I fell in love with skiing because I learned one little secret, learned how to stop. Suddenly my life had changed. In fact, I found the secret that literally changed my life. And all of a sudden, in the Christian life, I can tell you, I learned the secret. It wasn't that I learned Greek or Hebrew, or it wasn't that I would 
lead people here or lead people there or push harder and all those things. I learned the secret that Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, says, for I can do everything through Christ, through Christ who gives me strength. I want to show you one final ski picture. This was my wife and I had gone back and it was just me and her. And I want to show you this picture. You can see it up there. Look at that. Look at that guy. Yeah. Yeah. You see, some of you are in your Christian life are like I was in the last picture. You're turned to the side, scared to death. If somebody were to ask you to pray for them, you're like, I don't even know what to say. I know you know the old adage that none of us like. You know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know what? In the Christian life, it's both. It is what you know, but really it's who you know. That's the key. If you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And when you learn to let him release his kingdom through you, I promise you, you're going to move into a place you've never been. All of a sudden, you're going to pray for people. Jonathan can tell you at our church and what I've done in discipling people through the years, they don't believe God can talk to them. They don't believe that God can give them words. They believe that's for somebody else. They don't believe that, you know, that God's going to speak to them or God could, that they could lay hands on somebody and pray for them and that God would heal them. And where I am on that is, is I'm like, well, are you saved? And if you are, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you, that works deliverance, works healing, gives words, gives wisdom, gives knowledge, he's the same one that lives in me. Just trust God. And, and I would say this to you guys about, I know you, we've been through COVID and it's hard to get people to come back to church, all right? I, I have the same issue as any other church has because, you know, one of the things we have, I don't know, do you guys go, are you all online? Can, okay, so for, at our church, they can watch me online and they can watch us on television and that kind of stuff. But, but they, they said, Brother Dave had this said to me so many times, Brother Dave, I, it's just so much easier to sit down with my iPad and I can watch you right there. Man, I seem like I get so much more. And you know what I tell them? That's not what church is. Church is not what you can get. You don't come for just what you can get. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you wants to release that kingdom through you. It's what you can give. That's the body of Christ. You see, if, if we could ever get this in our spirit, that literally when you walk in here, that the Holy Spirit dwelling in you is ready to minister to somebody through you. You don't know necessarily who they are and you don't know necessarily what it is. But if you'll just be ready, it may be no more than just being able to have that kind word. I remember years ago, this was a long time ago and I know I've got to quit. But it was years ago. I was driving down the road. Now, let me just tell you, whenever I drive, I'm, I'm not a New Yorker, but I would fit in well. <laughs> because I get super aggressive, and in the South, you don't honk at anybody. Listen, I'm just telling you. You just don't honk at people. I know that, that you guys are going, what? But it's like that would be like, you know, I don't even know how to tell you. It'd be bad. But I do get aggressive. And I get very frustrated. And I remember this after it happened, the, the person told me. So I was driving, 
and I'm going home, and this lady pulls out of her driveway, backs right in front of me. And I, you know, do one of those. And I stop. She didn't look at me one second. But then she turns and sees me and goes, and praise God. All right, just praise God. I smiled and did that. I don't remember it. But she came up to me about two weeks later at church. And she said, Brother David, I want to tell you something. She said, uh, I started coming to church because, and she tells, tells me the story. And when she tells me, and then she says, and I pulled out right in front of you, inside I'm thinking, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> I hope I didn't give her like, you know. <laughs> but uh, she said, but when you looked at me and you smiled and waved, she said, something happened in here. And I wanted to come and, and hear what you had to say. And I'm just telling you today, that had to be the Holy Spirit, all right? I'm just telling you. And, um, and I just want to encourage you that God wants to live through you and work his kingdom through you. So I want to pray for us. But I believe that there are many of you here that want to step into the more. You want to walk into more. I'm not talking about being a weirdo. I'm really not talking about that. I'm talking about having a word for the weary. I told you last night, Isaiah 50, verse 4. You can come on up. I'm talking about that moment whenever somebody needs a word from the Lord or they need a touch from his kingdom. You know, one of the things that being on television, um, I've said it this way, it sounds awful, but it, it's really been helpful for me. I have to be nice to everybody. I mean, I walk into Walmart and I'm walking down an aisle and suddenly somebody comes around the corner and they say, I heard your voice. And I thought, I know that voice. And they'd been watching me on television. But I, I, I say this, I can't tell you how many times in a Walmart, at the grocery store where God's given me the opportunity to pray for somebody. They're not going to come to my church, most of them. I know that. They're not going to, they, they would never talk to me otherwise. But in that moment, they needed a touch, not from some preacher that's on television. They needed a touch from the king. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think. Through the power that dwells in us who believe, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever, throughout all generations. He wants to release his kingdom through you. Let's pray together. Father, I want to pray for just uh, these that I believe are hungry. That 
want to step in to live a life that is for your glory. And I want to say this. I believe many of you are, okay, with our heads bowed and eyes closed just a minute. I believe many of you are. But I believe some of you are, are realizing that you're not taking that next step, but you're ready to. Maybe you're, you're like I was and you're, you feel kind of like an outsider, maybe even at church a little bit. You feel like God's showing his power through others, but he wouldn't be able to through you because you, you didn't know the key. It's not by your power. It's not because maybe you don't know all the verses in the Bible or it's not because you maybe aren't the best speaker. That has nothing to do with it. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. If you want to step into that more, I believe God wants to. I know this, that he wants to and desires to release more through you than you can imagine. There's people around you that need the Jesus in you. So Father, I just pray that you would just unleash your kingdom, that we might might each bask in your love, that Holy Spirit, that you would just well up in us the truth that you want to release more of you and your power in each one of us than we could have ever asked or thought. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you and we hope to see you soon.